I want this world to be a better place because I'm here. And every day, what can I be doing to make it better? There's no better feeling than to give to others who are in need. If you want your serotonin level to go up, if you want more of that happy drug, help others. Give back. Go give to others who are in need. Not only will it impact your life, but their life and other people who might be watching. I think many people see an issue happening in their community or perhaps even a need in their community and they might say to themselves, man, somebody should do something about that. Well, guess what? You are somebody. The voice you just heard is Eric Salzweddle. And in the world of philanthropy, Eric truly is somebody. His passion for giving to others goes back to his childhood days and played a major role in his time as a Cutco Vector sales rep and manager, where he was honored with the prestigious Marty Dimitrovich Award for Service. After moving on from Vector, Eric pursued opportunities in the nonprofit sector, and his entire worldview has been shaped by giving to others. He founded Do Good Wisconsin to support his community in multiple ways, especially during the pandemic of 2020. Now he's helping individuals and organizations to be intentional about the ways in which they give back to their communities. This is a truly inspirational conversation with a wonderfully generous soul who I'm proud to introduce, Eric Salzweddle. Welcome to Changing Lives, Selling Knives. I'm your host, Dan Cassetta. There's a generation of entrepreneurs and business leaders out there right now who are positively impacting the world using lessons and skills that they first learned from selling Cutco knives with Vector Marketing Corporation. This podcast was created to share inspiring stories from Cutco's most prominent alumni and current leaders. On this show, you'll meet successful entrepreneurs, best-selling authors, superstar business executives, and transformational leaders from many walks of life. All our guests will have two things in common. One, they're all changing lives today through their work and their influence. And two, they all started out selling Cutco knives when they were younger. The lessons of the Cutco Vector experience are numerous, are compelling, and are real-world concepts for business and life. Through hearing real-life stories and hands-on experiences, you'll gain insights that can help you in whatever it is that you do in life. Thanks for pressing play. Let's get on with today's episode. Welcome, everybody. I'm excited for today's podcast episode. My guest is Eric Salzweddle. Eric's time with Cutco goes back to December of 2006. He started with the company in Wisconsin with Kevin Hanna as his original manager, by the way. Eric was a student at University of Wisconsin Oshkosh. He ran two branches during college, graduated in December of 2010 with a degree in human services and leadership, and became a district manager in 2011. Held that position for about three years before moving on to the nonprofit sector, which was a desire that Eric has always had in his life that we're going to talk a lot about today. You may have seen Eric on social media throughout 2020 doing something called the Venmo Challenge, where he gave away many thousands of dollars to service industry employees throughout uh, Wisconsin as a service to his community. It was pretty cool to witness some of those videos and the reactions from a lot of the people. We'll talk about that today. 
Eric is now the owner of Intentional Purpose Consulting, where he works with companies, organizations, and individuals on their charitable giving and community outreach. Eric, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks so much for having me. Really excited for today. Fantastic. Well, thank you for being here. We're going to talk a lot about service to others today. I know that your engagement in community service predates your time with Cutco. Tell us about that. Yeah, absolutely. And, and we can go way back to grade school when I remember doing Jump Rope for Heart, which, of course, we raised as much money as we could for the American Heart Association by jumping rope and hopefully getting some people to donate. By that, I mean, Dan, that was giving me, giving that donation envelope to my parents to take to work to get the money <laughs> so I could be the top <laughs> fundraiser, right? And that was, you know, so I could get the duffel bag at that point. But it went from that to helping to support, uh, or I would go over to the nursing home across the street from my school through grade school and got to a chance to experience and working with the elderly population, which was amazing. But it was truly my senior year of high school where I saw a poster up in my guidance counselor's office about volunteering at a camp for those with muscular dystrophy. I had no idea what muscular dystrophy was. I never really dealt with anybody in a wheelchair before. And I was the only one in my high school to decide to sign up to volunteer at this MDA camp. And little did I know that the first day of camp was also the day I was graduating high school. So I walked across the stage, got my diploma, but then jumped in my parents' van to go to this camp that literally changed my life and my perspective on, on so many things. Mm. Tell us a little bit more about that and what you did and how it changed your perspective. Yeah, so uh, going to this camp uh, literally was the best week of the year, meaning I was paired up with a, a kid and his name actually at that time, the first year I went was Eric as well. And so paired up with a child who had muscular dystrophy and did everything with them from playing games, playing sports, playing computer games, from feeding, everything that needed to make sure that they had the best time of their life that week. That was my job. That was my volunteer experience there. But I remember the last day of camp specifically when I was, a, you know, the kids were being picked up by their parents and I was called over to give a hug to, her name was Bella. She wanted a hug from me before I left. And and I didn't interact a lot with Bella at camp necessarily, but giving that hug really then all of a sudden shifted my paradigm and the impact I had made during that week with the kids and those around me that again, kind of impacted my life that I realized that I truly was making a difference and my life, I have the opportunity to give back and help others. Yeah. There's something that's just so rewarding about contributing to someone else, particularly in a, in a situation like you're describing with the uh, muscular dystrophy camp. There's a lot of opportunities that we all have as fully able-bodied, I guess you could say, people that not everybody has. And it, it's pretty, uh, I'm sure it was an emotional experience for you to be able to be with those kids and to help them. Yeah, it, it truly was. And that, that spawned from going to be a volunteer at that camp the following year, and it spawned into starting a fundraiser. And some of that I know we'll get into a little bit today, but it, it just truly had fueled something inside of me, a passion that I didn't know I was really passionate about. And it all started because I simply saw a poster put up that my guidance counselor must have put up in the office. And I simply made that decision to tear off a sheet, give a call and sign up to volunteer. That's so cool. One of the things that resonates for me about that is the fact that your guidance counselor made the ask. I know it was a subtle ask with the poster, 
but they made the ask. And a lot of times I think we're reluctant to ask people if they want to help others or they want to be part of a charity project or something like that. And oftentimes by doing that, we're thinking, oh, I don't want to bother them or I don't want to make them feel like they have to do something. But I think another way of viewing that is you're depriving people of an opportunity to contribute to others. And a lot of people are looking for ways they can contribute to others and they want to help other people and they actually value having that chance. And so I would encourage anyone listening, if you're supporting any type of charitable project, that uh, be willing to ask others to get involved and to help out. Absolutely. This was shortly before you started Cutco? Yeah. So this was almost about the same time. Uh, in fact, actually, it would have been probably just the a few months before, actually, that summer is when I, I volunteered. And then it wasn't after my first semester of college, I actually had received a letter in the mail to work with Cutco. Nice, nice. And you you went in uh, and met Kevin Hanna. Tell us about that. Yes, I met the Godfather. No, uh, Kevin Hanna, who get a chuckle out of that. When I got the letter in the mail, I decided to call, set up an interview. Then I actually drove over to Madison and got interviewed by Kevin Hanna and offered, obviously, the opportunity to work for Cutco, which was an absolute amazing experience and so glad I did. Yeah. What lessons stand out from your experience selling Cutco? Yeah, definitely the, the importance of goal setting, planning, just you know, looking at areas just to continue to be a better person in all areas of our life. One of the things that I love, my wife and I, over the last few years, have always gotten away before the next year to plan out how are we going to continue to grow in different areas of our life, you know, spiritually, financially, relationally, what we do professionally, so on and so forth. And that all started with Cutco and learning some of those things that has impacted me ever since. And part of that too is also just the importance of relationships. And that's personal relationships, professional relationships, even random relationships. And what I mean by that, just how you treat people, how you talk to others, how you can inspire and make an impact on someone's life, knowing that what you said or did is frankly going to stay with them for the rest of their life. And this could be somebody as a manager, somebody as an as a fellow representative or somebody that you just meet randomly. And uh, I think that's just super important and something I really have taken to heart is just how we treat people that we run into that we may not even know or we will ever meet again. Yeah, excellent point. I love that uh, Vector and Cutco have that culture of treating people well because it's the right thing to do, not because you're trying to get something out of it. Jim Rohn calls it enlightened self-interest. He's like, of course, in the end, right, all of these things circle back to you. But the concept of enlightened self-interest is that, you know, you do things because it's the right thing to do. And ultimately, those things will benefit you down the road. But that's not why you're motivated to do it in the first place. One of my favorite quotes I, I heard back uh, when I was a brand new Cutco rep is the idea that people are a reflection of you. And if you're somebody who is giving and supportive and encouraging, treats people well, the people around you begin to reflect that a whole lot more. And, and that circles back to you and spreads out throughout your circles of influence, as well as this rip positive ripple effect that happens from that, that uh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. And, th and that's the thing is like people always look at good things that are happening just in general, right? I mean, there's a lot of negativity out there, a lot of negative news, a lot of not so exciting things. But when you can just be that that force of positivity, the force that's that's doing good in the community, we all frankly know we want that and we need that. And I think more people now more than ever are are striving to be around people that again give off 
just that, that passion of helping people and, and people are just trying to do good in their community. Yeah, exactly. How did this spirit of philanthropy and community service play a role in your Cutco business? Yeah. So with that, I remember as a representative, my manager at the time when I was going to college, Chris Niku had sat down and we talked about the dreams manager. And we talked about just writing out all of our goals. And we sat there, a few of us managers, assistant managers, and we wrote down all of our goals that we wanted to accomplish in life. There's no ifs, ands, you know, if you have the money, so on and so forth. It's like write down every single thing you want to accomplish in your life. And I remember then after we did that, then we stepped back and we're like, well, what's the top three things that you want to accomplish next year. And the three things I wrote down, the first one was get in shape. Well, that was a very vague (laughs) goal at that point. I was still working on my goals, right? But uh, the second thing was to volunteer in another country. And the third thing was to start my own fundraiser. And Mm. I remember writing them down. And in in the bunk bed of the dorm, I remember taping them to the wall right where I slept. So every time I was going to bed, every time I would wake up, I would look at my goals and especially my top three goals of what I wanted to do because it reminded me what I do every day is it getting me close to those things, right? So I ended up starting a a fundraiser that summer to, or I should say that spring to raise money for kids who had muscular dystrophy because I knew I was going to be a branch manager. So I'm like, I can't volunteer a whole week mid-summer, especially as a branch. So I found an opportunity to start a fundraiser. At that time, I was also a big brother for big brothers, big sisters in college. And I knew they had a fundraiser, much like for bowling. I I was a big bowler. I've been bowling in league since I was five years old. And I'm like, well, I want to do my own bowl-a-thon. Didn't know what the heck I was doing. I I dragged 20 of my college friends to go bowl. I said, hey, you got to pay 20 bucks each. And we raised $932. And flash forward to 12 years later, this event I still put on up in my college hometown, which is about two hours away from me now. But it has raised $150,000 for kids and those battling muscular dystrophy. And this all started with my Cutco manager at that time, writing, sitting us down, us assistant managers, and like, hey, let's write out our goals and something I still voluntarily do every day. But it started there. And I remember that also that spring break while all my friends were going out to party and they were going to Cancun and having all this fun. I was the only one from the state of Wisconsin to sign up with an organization to go volunteer in Guatemala when I didn't even know how to speak Spanish or anything. And I had to fundraise a ton of money to go do this. But talk again about a paradigm shift of experiencing what I experienced in Guatemala to volunteer and to experience the culture and the impact that we had with helping people getting medical aid, so on and so forth was just astounding. So that was with my time as a, as a representative. And I also remember at that time, Cutco was big into or just launching kind of the Cutco Red Shears, right? Oh, yeah. And, and so so that was, you know, to help benefit and support the American Heart Association. And uh, I ended up being one of the top sellers because as you can imagine, I started getting into this kind of philanthropy mindset of always finding opportunities to give. And then when Cutco came out with these Red Shears, I think it would have been, I don't know, 06 or 07. I'm like, I was on top of it and I really pushed everyone to basically buy these red shears, right? Because uh, I knew <laughs> I was going to support a good cause. So I remember going to my year-end banquet and seeing like a banner up of like the top central region sales reps that have sold a ton of these Cutco red shears and I happened to be one of them, which was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty cool. Nice. So I love that uh, a lot of this started from uh, an exercise that Chris Naku did with you. I'm, I'm pretty sure Chris got that through Dane Espigard 
who you know saw Matthew Kelly speak about the dream manager and has implemented that into how he operates his business ever since then. And Chris took the time to do this exercise with you, which I think all vector managers should take the time to help people with doing exercises that are not just related to selling Cutco, but to stuff outside the business as well, writing down dreams and goals as if there were no limitations, right? Anything is possible. And we make this big list, 100 dreams is what Matthew Kelly shared that we should do when he spoke to a Vector event. I remember that day I wrote 101. I'm like, I'm writing 101 because you know he said do 100. I'm going to do one extra. And it's a great exercise to do. And I thought it was cool. As you were saying, hey, I, I was sharing my top three things. I thought you were going to have one thing related to philanthropy and giving. And like two of your three were related to philanthropy and giving, which says something about you. And then you got that chance to you know, implement the bowling fundraiser, which was one of your three things is do a fundraiser. The trip to Guatemala sounds awesome. Brad Britton in our Cutco organization has pioneered a program called Cutco Cares, where on all of our company trips, people can volunteer to take a part of a day and go do something for that local community. And so they've done stuff in Central America. They've done stuff in Europe on some of our company trips. And it gives people that chance to experience giving back uh, in a place where the whole realm of what the opportunities people have and the resources people have is totally different than the United States. I mean, Guatemala is another world from the United States, as I'm sure you saw, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that's the important thing, right? We go on vacations, these all-inclusive resorts, which is great and fun, 100%. And that's what Vector and Cutco has always done, right? It's done some amazing trips. But that's awesome to have that aspect of a Cutco Cares aspect to the business or to that trip, because then you truly, you're off the resort, you're learning about the people, you're experiencing and interacting with people off of a resort, and you see the need that's there that you wouldn't think any place would ever need, right? Coming from the US, it's like, that's not an issue here. And when you have that opportunity to one, see it firsthand and seeing that those few hours that you might volunteer is going to have a ripple effect that that's going to last them for however long to only impact that community, that individual, those folks in the area, whatever the case may be. I think that's, that's super powerful. And I encourage more people to do it. I think more people need to experience that families, adults, kids to go to different areas that they may not live in. That's a, maybe it's the total opposite. It's 180 degrees are going to a certain community in which they learn a lot from that. And again, change their perspective on things they may take advantage of or take for granted, right? Yeah. I love the phrase that travel is the fatal enemy of prejudice. And particularly in, as I was saying, you know, doing something that's a, of, a, of a service to a community in a place that's vastly different than where you're from. There's so many good insights and benefits and feelings that can come from putting yourself in that position. Tell us more about how philanthropy has been a part of your business. I know that it played a role when you were a DM as well. Yeah. So I remember a little bit as a branch manager, I did that a couple of times. Mainly the, the second year, I just kind of dabbled into collecting canned food for local food pantry, which ironically enough, the two folks two individuals that were deeply involved with helping me with that, in fact, helping me deliver that 
to the local food pantry when I was wrapping up my branch office happened to turn into a branch manager and a district manager. So I kind of found that ironic that they got involved that way. But yeah, as a district manager, I had a giving wall. And in fact, before moving to my district territory, I immediately thought, and I wrote down right away, how do I make this community that I'm going to, I'm not from, never been here. How can I make this community better because I am here? Because there is going to be a Cutco office here. And during day two of training, I remember I would ask the representatives in training to bring food to cut, but I would also say bring food to donate if you can. Because as you can see, and I'd point them over to the, the giving wall, I would say, you can see our canned goods stacked up uh, and, and we're going to be donating this to the local pantry. And then you can also see over here, we have all these clothes that have been folded here. So we have a clothing drive going on. But up here, you can see, oh, we've as a company, as our office, we've gone and rang bells for the Salvation Army. Over here, you see a picture of us jumping in freezing cold water, doing the raising money for the Special Olympics, doing the polar plunge. You know, And over here, you see right now, we're, we're working on raising money for those battling muscular dystrophy. We're going to have a team and go to this event. Or you see one of our representatives, this was a cause that meant a lot to him. And now we actually, uh, we went and supported them or became a sponsor for them. So yeah, there's a number of different ways that I try to incorporate that within my district office. Wow. The giving wall. That uh, is a great idea. I love that. Yeah. In fact, I, I remember sharing pictures previously on this where you could see the, the very beginning of it, where it's about a foot off the ground and come the end of the year towards November, uh, we had clothing and canned goods as high as a, a eight foot, nine foot ceiling. It was kind of scary how how much we had. It made me think actually what people first thought when they came into our training room, seeing like you know a ten feet high pile of clothes. I mean, it it looked somewhat organized, but uh, but people understood the culture that we were trying to create within our office. Yeah, that's awesome, Eric, and I'm I'm sure that through that you really spread the spirit of community service to so many of your other sales reps over those years as a DM. Absolutely. I even had a representative that came to me, I think on day three that morning came and said, Hey, you know what? I am going a different route with what I want to do, but here's a bag of clothes I want to donate. Right? So you have all of a sudden somebody that decided not to pursue the business, but realize the culture and the impact that the organization our office was going to have on that community. So they left knowing that, you know, and I thought that was super powerful just to have that lasting impact on somebody who may or may not ever come back to the business. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. And you were also part of uh, the Angel Wings project in Haiti? Yeah, absolutely. I had a chance to go down there three times, actually. And that was incredible, including in 2017 when we had the grand opening. But I went down there three times. And that experience, again, was phenomenal. When I think, again, my perspective, again, when I think about healthcare and medical needs and getting the chance to go there. But I guess in, in some way, it also kept the experience and kept Cutco in my life because I met so many amazing CSPs, managers, and connected with others are across the U.S. that I've stayed connected with, especially via social media. So, of course, following them on social media, I kind of always have had that nudge of like, man, maybe, maybe I should get back into Cutco, right? But uh, the people that were there and have gone there that are CSPs, and just this is just in general as well. But people within Vector and Cutco obviously are, are just super amazing and just, just so giving. Yeah. Really cool, uh, Eric, how you really had philanthropy and community service as a major 
a major factor in your Cutco Vector business for all of those years. Mm -hmm. So then you ultimately left Vector to uh, pursue an opportunity in the nonprofit sector? Yeah. So um, more so after I had um, closed my office is when I did a few things with Angel Wings down in Haiti, just because of the time perspective there. But yeah, I loved and I just felt that my heart and my passion was in the nonprofit sector to kind of be on those front lines of helping people in need. Okay. So what did you do at first? So I first actually started working with some adults that had mental and cognitive disabilities. But then because of my past experience, and actually with my experience with Cutco, I actually became a marketing director for a very small nonprofit in the Madison, Wisconsin area that helped first responders comfort children in crisis with children's books. And so, but they needed help really kind of expanding and, and raising the funds and just becoming more known in the area in general. So that's essentially where I started. And I was their marketing director for four and a half years. Cool. And Eric, how do you feel that being in a field that is based on giving affected your worldview? Yeah, I think, uh, again, it's just daily. Uh, when I've put myself in positions that could be uncomfortable, uh, for most, uh, even for myself, I, again, I think it's just so important that when we do change our view on the world, it just changes the perspective. It's, it's changed my personality, my character with the organizations I've volunteered for and where I worked as well. And I think, I mean, there's so much more to that, right? I mean, I ultimately, I always have said, I want this world to be a better place because I am here. And every day, what can I be doing to make it better? There, there's no better feeling than to give to others who are in need. And I think many people see an issue happening in their community or perhaps a need in their community. And they might say to themselves internally, externally, they may say, man, you know what? Somebody should do something about that. Well, I hear about food insecurity in our community. Ah, man, someone should do something about that or step up. Well, guess what? You are somebody. You are someone, yeah. Right? Exactly. And that's the thing. You don't necessarily need to know what you're doing. I just, I happen to like bowling and I dragged friends to go bowl to do a cause that happened to be kind of near and dear to my heart. But now it's raised $150,000 and how many more people know about it, right? And so there's just, just getting involved. I mean, that, that was just, that was a huge thing. Yeah. Wow. I love what you just said right there about, I want the world to be a better place because I'm here. Imagine if everybody thought that way, right? Imagine you know how much better the world could be. I just think about how much effect each of us has on all of the people who we just pass by on a daily basis through little, I mean, little tiny things like picking up a piece of litter that's on a trail and how that affects the, the enjoyment of the experience for the next dozens of people who walk by. I mean, stuff as simple as that, if we all had that, that perspective of wanting to make the world better because we're here, how much greater our own experience would be and everyone's experience would be by sort of multiplying that concept out throughout the world. Absolutely. And I think that's always just been a forefront in my mind daily when I wake up. The things that I do when I'm out in the community those that I run into, even if I don't know them, again, that goes back to how do you treat somebody? What do you say to somebody? What do you do for somebody? Is knowing that you have no idea what they might be going through, right? I think so many times in life, right, we're, we're driving a vehicle and some of you might be driving a vehicle right now and somebody cuts you off and you get pissed off that they cut you off, but you have no idea that they might be running and rushing right now to get to the hospital because 
maybe a, a friend of theirs or a relative of theirs, or maybe even a family member is got in a bad car accident or is fighting for their life. Now, obviously there's always a little frustration. I'm not saying, Hey, I don't get frustrated. Sometimes I do tell people that I don't have bad days because my bad days are other people's good days. So I think put that in perspective and it's kind of flashback. I'll never forget reading a quote from Jerry Addison that talked a little bit about if you took all your problems right now happening in the world and you threw them in the pile, but you were able to see that pile, you would pull your issues or whatever you have going on back. And I'm not saying bad things don't happen to me. They do. But again, I try to immediately focus on the, the perspective, right? And when things that I've been blessed with, with a roof over my head, I have, I'm healthy. I have a bed to sleep in. I have a beautiful family. And just knowing that there are people out there that don't have that. So how can we help them? How can I help them? What can we do? And if it's potentially inspiring other people to do the same thing, then that's awesome. That makes me smile. That makes me happy. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. There's definitely so much it just good that comes from giving to others. The level of gratitude that we develop in our own lives is much higher and, and we feel a lot better doing it. I really think that's an important thing. I try to support a number of different nonprofits that uh, I have come across that uh, are you know either founded by friends of mine or that are causes that are near and dear to my heart. I'm on the board of a nonprofit called Reading Partners, which supports childhood literacy in 14 metros across the United States. Education is a cause I'm tremendously passionate about. And I think that it's the, the ultimate answer to all of our societal challenges is if we could just improve education from the early days of a kid's life through their grade school and high school experiences, that uh, people would be set up for a much better life and they could sell Cutco after that. And then they're going to be really good shape. Um, (laughs) So I support that nonprofit. As I said, I'm on the board. We have a virtual fundraiser coming up in March. And you know, I give to that organization. And when it comes time to writing a check, I try to have the the number be slightly uncomfortable. Like I, you know, that's that's kind of the way I, I like to give out. And it's the same thing about like giving tips. I loved your Venmo challenge that you did that we'll talk about, right? I just, I I like to be generous most of the time and to just give something that's a little bit, a little bit beyond what would be normal. And you just realize when you can do that and it's not going to affect my lifestyle one iota, you feel good. You feel fortunate and you feel more grateful. And there's just so much good that comes out of it. So I loved some of the things that you said there. Absolutely. And last thing I'll say on that too is People keeping in mind that there are, there are, I would consider five ways of giving, right? So there is money, but if we, you know, if I looked at your bank account right now, well, uh, everyone's got a little bit of different amount in there. So you can give, you know, donate money to organizations or others, great causes. Two, it's time, right? We all have the same amount of time within a week. It's what do you prioritize and what do you do or what do you make adjustments? But you can volunteer even an hour a week for like the big, big brothers, big sisters to be a mentor for a child who doesn't have a male or female, especially any males listening, there's definitely a need to just be a great mentor. One hour a week could literally change their life and perspective on, on where they take their life off to be what, who they become is you could have a huge impact. The third thing is things, right? So we can donate food, we can donate canned goods, we can donate clothes, I know, Dan, prior to this, we talked a little bit about just giving things to people in need, right? The fourth is skills, right? Some of you listening might be really good at playing guitar, maybe piano. Well, what if you volunteered for an hour to teach kids at maybe the, a local boys and girls club to play that because their parents or they might not be able to ever afford to play lessons, but 
you don't know if you might all of a sudden inspire somebody to become the next greatest guitar player to ever live if you volunteered your time just to teach a kid that never otherwise would be able to learn how to play that, right? So that, and then the fifth thing I always say is advocate, right? So if some of you have just things that are deep down, deep rooted within you that mean a lot to you, even if you don't do any of those other things, sharing it on social media, talking about it, sharing causes, how people could donate, how people could volunteer, just what it means to you. So if you shared with me something really important to you, and I don't think too much of it, but down the road, all of a sudden I see something come up and the opportunity to give back. And I'd be like, you know what? You know, Dan said that was really important. And, and he mentioned a couple of things that they're doing some really good things with education. Yeah, I'm going to donate because of that one experience. So those things are just, those, those five ways are just something to keep in mind giving. It's not just monetarily. There's a lot of other ways you can help. Yeah, that was a great list, Eric. And I think that there's a lot of people out there who have the mindset that they do want to contribute, but they don't always know how. And you just gave some great suggestions on how people can do that. That was great. So in uh, 2019, you founded Do Good Wisconsin. Can you tell us a little bit about this? Yeah, no, I share a lot of my social media and what I do to really help in the community. Not because, hey, I want a pat on the back. I went to the Red Box. I got a Red Box movie, watched a movie. But instead, before I returned it, I threw a 5 or a $10 folded up bill in there with a, a note that says snacks on us. So the next person that would rent that movie, all of a sudden, you have no idea, you know, the joy you could bring to them. Like, this is the coolest thing ever, right? <laughs> I mean, if we really think about that, this is me going off on a little bit of a tangent, but just think about the little things we can do or little things that have happened to you that simply you're like, that was the coolest thing ever. Even if somebody buys you coffee, even though you hear about that all the time, when it happens to you, you're like, that makes your day. So just realize that what you say and what you do. But yeah, so I started Do Good Wisconsin because I, I wanted to, I knew that it, I share a lot of the things I share, not because I want the pat on the back, but because what I do, nine out of 10 people could also do. So I'm hoping to inspire other people. But also at the same time, I know one out of 10 stories on the news is actually good news or a feel good news. And so I'm like, let's talk about that seven-year-old that just raised $40,000 doing a lemonade stand. Or let's talk about this 96-year-old that's been crocheting and donating hats all of her life to a local hospital. Like, let's share more of those stories. Let's go on one platform that all you see is good people doing great things. And it's individuals, it's businesses. I don't really highlight a lot of nonprofits on Do Good Wisconsin because frankly, we know that every day they're simply doing good. But like, let's look at those little stories and what they're doing, literally anybody else could do for the most part. And so that's why I started Do Good Wisconsin and my vision, Dan, down with the road, and some of you might be listening in, is uh, if you want to start a Do Good California, let's talk first because that is kind of the ultimate goal. We're in the process of becoming a 501c3 nonprofit. So how do we have Do Good California, Do Good Texas, Do Good New York, you know, that literally highlights the good that, you know, everyday people, right? It kind of refreshes the news of good things happening when, when sometimes people are blinded and they think that it's only negative and bad stuff happening. They can turn to do good Wisconsin and be like, well, there's a lot of good happening in Wisconsin if I just look for that news, right? I love that. Just the idea of spreading more of the good things that are happening instead of always seeing negative things all the time. Like that, that's such a positive message. I love it. And, and how did you support your community during the pandemic? Yeah. So of course, just kind of thinking out of the box. I remember several years ago, I saw a post up on social media of what somebody had did in a different state. And I always saw those little free 
libraries, right? So there's little boxes in front of people's yards that have books in them. And I thought, and then somebody had posted something, but it had food in there. And I'm like, man, that's a great idea. But along with a ton of ideas that I have, I have them kind of stored away. And I'm like, well, at some point when I buy a house, maybe I'll do something like that. And my wife and I bought our first house December of 2019. And the pandemic obviously hit March of 2020. And I'm like, man, this I think this is the opportunity to do something like this. And I reached out to a good friend of mine. Again, this is and he donated his skill set of woodworking and built a beautiful big pantry, essentially. So it's bigger than your normal little free library because we also wanted to look nice. It was a new house. It's not a it's a new house to us, but we wanted to look nice out on our front lawn. And we're right on a main street. And uh, so it's safe with the lights on and so on and so forth. So we created the Sauce with a Little Free Pantry. And we let the community know through a lot of social media outlets. And it was just phenomenal response that we got. We purchased a handful of food initially. But then we told people if they wanted to donate, they actually would donate the food up on our porch. And then we would bring it in. We'd sanitize it. We'd check the dates, make sure it's not open, make sure it's not expired. We've unfortunately thrown away a lot of that stuff. But I think I've been guilty of that in the past where I dig through my cabinets and I, mean, I think I'm doing good, but it's all expired food from five years ago. But yeah, so last year, March 23rd, last 2020, through the end of last year, we had over 7,000 pounds of food go through our pantry. And we're in a little community of less than 4,000 people. So it's kind of amazing, right? Because sometimes you just don't think there's a lot of food insecurity, people battling to try to feed themselves or feed their family. But I, I can't tell you how many interactions I've even had with some families that have stopped or I've seen that would be with their two-year-old and they would reach in there to grab a, a tube of toothpaste, right? So they'd have toothpaste back at, at home and personal hygiene items. We also have personal hygiene items, but the food pantry was one thing, but it's it's actually truly fueled by the the community. Uh, I have a little uh, couple of cabinets in my office now that I have all this uh, food that I store in there every day, every morning. I go out there with about twenty pounds of food and I fill up the pantry, so it goes through about twenty pounds of food every single day. And yeah, it's just been a remarkable response and people supporting that. And then uh, so there's the food pantry and then the Venmo challenge. I remember I was on LinkedIn and I saw a gentleman in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, that had mentioned about doing something called the Venmo challenge. So when I checked into that, what he was planning on doing, the idea was pretty simple. I'm going to go out to eat and I'm going to, I want to give a large tip to servers. And I'm like, well, that seems like a really simple idea. So I decided to put it up on my social media. I'm like, Hey, I'm doing this thing called the Venmo challenge. If you want to send me $5, $10, $20, I'm going to collectively put that together and we're going to give a tip. And the first one, I had like $45 sent to me. I'm like, man, that still seems kind of low. So I'm like, I threw in like 15 more and I'm like, okay, you're $60. So uh, I happened to, the first one happened to have been the golf cart lady <laughs> at the golf course. But uh, I, had a, I had my cousin record that, kind of get the, the the reaction, right? And and so people also knew where their money was going. So it was kind of like a win-win there and it was just priceless to see their face. And then I, I, I shared the video. I'm like, let's do it again. So I shared my Venmo and Long story short, we did it 39 times. By the way, that's about the amount of weight I gained in five months of doing this. But uh, <laughs> but in, in about we did it 39 different locations, and we tipped a total of over thirteen thousand dollars to servers and even some delivery drivers. I had Jimmy John's delivered to my garage and I tipped her $350. Went out for a drink. With, I had one drink with a friend of mine, just one drink, two drinks on the bill. 
we'll take the bill. Here's a $450 tip. And I would count it out in like 20s. And so you just see their reaction. And uh, sometimes the initial reaction is when I tip them the 20, they're like, oh my goodness. And this is after I said, you know, I asked some friends to chip in. And I say, here's 20 bucks. And they're like, oh my gosh. <laughs> to me, I'm like, well, I mean, if I had friends chipping in, I mean, 20 is not a lot at all. Anyway, but then all of a sudden I'm doing another 20 and another 20. And uh, we've given away as much as a, a $1,000 tip to a bartender and one to a server, again, that they were able to actually split. At some point, some places were splitting tips because of COVID and everything, curbside pickup and whatnot. So it was kind of a win-win all around to, to be able to do it. And it was truly fueled by the community, by people wanting to give back. And I, I always tell people, I was just driving this boat, but people were fueling it. And I think right now, more than ever, people are looking for ways to help, ways to give back, ways to spread kindness, ways to spread love. And if I could just be that, or at least be a person that is trying to share ways to do that, I think people are jumping on board and uh, have just been right behind it, which has been amazing. Yeah, so great. You know, in the early days of the pandemic, I was giving out 100% tips all the time. I feel like a stiff now giving out 100% tips, man. Shoot, I should be giving out 500%, 1,000% tips. That's, Dan, that's, so, that's so cool. I can't go out to eat anymore because they're going to recognize me. And I, I'm like, oh man, I can't stiff them with a $20 tip. <laughs> no, no. And like I said, no, it's, it's been great. And, and that's the thing. What's been amazing is I've received messages from other people that have left $100 tips. And they're like, thank you so much for you know, sharing what you're doing. It just kind of inspired me to give a little bit extra because I could. Not everyone can. But that was the idea behind the Venmo challenge is it's not one person that can make a difference when we all can chip in a little bit, how big of a difference we can make, right? When some people are like, well, will my $5 or $10 really make a difference? Then I say to them, well, you've never spent a night with a mosquito before, right? And so it's the just a little bit, but it can, it can make a big difference. You don't realize that. And especially when more people jump on board on this, anyone listening to this right now, if they they were to send me 10 bucks, right? I mean, I know how many listeners you have, a thousand, two thousand listeners right now. But you know, if everyone chipped in 10 bucks, it might not be a lot to you, but all of a sudden that turns into a very large way that we can support, right? Yeah, exactly. So cool. And and if somebody wants to chip in for some of the challenges you're doing there in Wisconsin, how do they do that? Yeah. So so of course I have a Venmo, which is just my first and last name. So at Eric Salspital or even PayPal, I have that. And and uh, people can always reach out to me because right now the thing we're doing now, I, I changed it up. I call it now the do good challenge because Venmo really hasn't contributed any money to me. So I'm like, it's not giving them publicity. No, but uh, <laughs> I, the do good challenge. Now I start focusing on small businesses because I know right now small businesses, especially making it through the winter months here and even probably beyond is how can we help them out? So doing the exact same thing where we actually allow people we've having some businesses actually kind of quote unquote apply letting us know like where would the money go towards how are they struggling right now and i have a few people that help me decide which small business to support and then we kind of surprise them via zoom of how much money we're able to raise over a course of a week and uh, give them a hundred percent of those funds oh really neat i like it i like it i think that this sort of spirit of generosity is something that uh, really can be a good thing for people to adopt. What could you suggest about how people can just adopt more of the spirit of generosity in their lives? Yeah, honestly, if you want your serotonin level to go up, you want that more of that happy drug, help others, give back. 
go give to someone who's in need. Not only will you impact your life, but their life and even other people who just happen to be watching. I think that's super important. But people people want to make a difference. People are good. People uh, want to help. I've just been blessed to be able to, like I said, lead some efforts to allow other people to kind of join in and to make an impact. Yeah. I really like those five ways of giving that you suggested earlier, right? The money, the donating, your time as a volunteer, your things, right? And just giving away things that you don't use in your house anymore that could be helpful to people, clothing, food, baby stuff, toys. There's so many ways you could you could give in that area. Your skills was cool. And then just advocating for causes that you support. Like that was uh, that was really great. So your business now, Eric, is called Intentional Purpose Consulting. Can you yes. tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. So really simple. I always said, if I left the nonprofit sector, what would I love to do? And the idea is still being involved within the community, helping charitable causes, so on and so forth. But I've also experienced working with a lot of businesses where I've been doing a lot of the asking of businesses to give financially baskets, gift cards, so on and so forth that I realized kind of a need there to some extent. And so I started Intentional Purpose Consulting to work with businesses, organizations, and individuals to help them with their charitable efforts and their community outreach. Because it can be very intertwined, right? So supporting their community, but it kind of does get the word out a little bit about who you are, not that that's why you're doing it. But yeah, I just wanted to help kind of be an extension of people's, their teams or their businesses to help them with their efforts. Maybe they have certain events that they do, charitable efforts. Maybe they want to put on a golf outing, but don't know where to even begin. Or, hey, can you just handle donation requests? We could ask daily to donate. And they understand the importance of it and they love doing it. It's just as a business owner or a manager, you're trying to focus on growing the business and bring in the funds for the business. But where I come in is I can help them doing what they also is a value of theirs, which is the charitable giving, supporting the community. And now more than ever, Dan, if you look at millennials and even the younger generation, it doesn't matter if you have a good product or a good service, they want to know how you're supporting their community and helping out in their community. So I think that's a really important thing to to note and, and, and remind yourself that. Yeah, exactly. There definitely is a, a great movement towards uh, people contributing to their communities uh, while building their businesses. And that uh, sort of the, I think it's called the triple bottom line, you know, of uh, not just profits, but people and also planet, right? And um, I think that that's something that people are a lot more conscious of these days. Absolutely. And I think people just need to be more intentional on giving, right? So if you're like, how, how can I get more involved? Just be intentional about giving. Just like if you're intentional this year to read more books, get in shape, why not add in, be more intentional of giving back and helping your community a little bit more? I mentioned those few ways of giving back, but you know, it's one of the reasons actually I launched this last year, 365 days of good calendar. So it's a, it's a desktop calendar that every day is a random act of kindness that you can do. So stay tuned. I'll have that for 2022 too. If anyone wants to check out my website, I'll have that. That's, that's my little plug there. I'll have a, a desktop that you could have right there every day. It's a random act of kindness, something that you can do to make it make a difference. So, so great, Eric. I love this. This has really been a lot of fun. So as you look into your own future, Eric, what are you most excited about? Well, well, first off, I'm just excited to see my son continue to grow. He's four months old right now. Uh, I'm excited to see my wife's business expressively. You grow. She's an artist and she's been running her own business for, for, for five years now. Uh, I'm just excited to see more people 
give back and help out in their community. I'm, I'm excited to see more people do their own version, their own Venmo challenges in their communities. I've seen actually some alums. I've seen some Cutco alum do it in their cities and other states, which is fantastic. I'm excited just to see more good happening in communities than bad and excited to work with businesses and individuals with their charitable giving. And I'm also a little bit excited to come out of retirement for from Cutco a little bit here. Oh, you're going to be selling some knives again? Yeah, yeah. I think, uh, you know, I'm just kind of excited to kind of uh, put it out there. I've had some friends over the last, you know, 10 years kind of almost being retired, quote unquote, retired, right? Never really retired. But, you know, I've had some people reach out that want to get some good knives, right? So uh, I'm like, I think I'll come out of retirement here. Maybe I'll just do a little bit on the side, growing my business. But that's a great thing about the flexibility and to continue to support my family more as well. So, and, and give more, right? I mean, that's, that's ultimately the thing too. Yeah, exactly. Well, there's a lot of great things going on in the Cutco community now for our salespeople that you can tap into that can help you maximize that, that opportunity as well. So it's cool to hear about that. So great to hear about all of what you're doing. I know the ripple effect you're having on the world is super powerful and I hope that uh, through listening to this, we can get a whole bunch more people on board with uh, being a part of community service, charitable giving, supporting others, all of those things that can create a better world and help uh, make things great for all of us here. So it's awesome. Thank you so much for being part of the podcast, Eric. Hey, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. What a great human being that guy is right there. Eric Salzweddle. I loved that conversation. That was just so much fun. I hope you all enjoyed it as well. Being part of the MDA camp, supporting kids with muscular dystrophy, Eric said, fueled a passion in his life. And I just want everyone listening to think about how can you do something that puts you in a position to feel that feeling? of contributing to others at a deep level where you really connect. Maybe it's a community service trip you might take. Maybe it's getting actively involved with a certain nonprofit. I referenced reading partners that I support. If you're in any of the 14 metros that reading partners supports, you can tutor young children. It's done virtually now. The commitment is pretty low, like an hour a week or something like that. And you have a chance to connect with young kids who are in need and and not only read to them and help them grow in that way, but to be somewhat of a mentor and to bring positive influence to their life. Think about how you could do something like that that could help fuel that passion for you because it's a very rewarding part of life. I love the five ways of giving, your money and donations, your time through volunteering, things that you might have that you can give to your community, skills that you can teach others or share with others or just being an advocate for causes, spreading the word. I also love the idea of making philanthropy a part of your business and the ways that Eric did that through creating fundraisers for people on his team, having the giving wall in his office. That was cool. So many good things. If you want to contribute to Eric's Do Good Challenge, where he is impacting his Wisconsin community, You can find him on Venmo, right? He referenced that. Just look for Eric Salzweddle on Venmo. If it asks you for the last four of his phone number to verify it's him, those numbers are 8843. Hashtag do good challenge if you donate to Eric in that way. And 
Be intentional about your own opportunities for giving back. Such great stuff here today. I hope you enjoyed this. Thank you, Eric Salzweddle, for being part of the podcast. Thank you for your inspiration and leadership to others. I hope you all have a fantastic rest of your day. Thanks for listening. If you got value from today's episode, please share it with others and consider rating or reviewing us on your podcast player. Subscribing to the podcast is free and ensures that future episodes are automatically downloaded directly to your device. For access to guest bios, show notes, and other resources, visit changinglivespodcast.com. You can sign up there to receive valuable resources for free from people featured on the podcast. And to support our podcast sponsors, visit changinglivespodcast.com slash deals. This is Dan Cassetta signing off. We'll be back in a few days for our next story about changing lives.